Good morning. My name is Ava Spinning. I'm on the student serve team here at Flourishing Grace. Um, today we're going to be in Philippians, so if you don't have your Bible, there's a blue one right in front of you. We're going to be on page 1084, Philippians 2, chapter 2, verse 19 through 30. Um, here at Flourishing Grace, we believe this is, this is the word of the Lord, so if you're able, please stand. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I, too, may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I will myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you have heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sor sorrow upon sorrow, I am, the more, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I, may be, that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For the, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your, in your service to me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ava. You guys can have a seat. Ava Spinning. Bountiful girls soccer team. Just took second in state. Nice work, ladies. Nice work. Good morning, Flourishing Grace. How are we doing? Good. Yes. Paul says, uh, he's talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. He says, man, honor such men. Honor such men. What, what comes to your mind when you think of honor? What comes to your mind? Use your outdoor voice. I can hear you. I can see you. This is not a movie theater. What? Parents. Parents. Yes, all the parents in the room are like, amen, that's right, that's right. Parents, respect, what else? Honor. Oh, come on. Hard work, what else? A judge, got the robe, honor, your honor, yes. Obedience. Authority. Christ's word. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, for me, I think of a few things. I was thinking about honor a lot this week. I think of like the honor culture, like, uh, like in Japan, like the shame and honor culture, the, the Japanese samurai, these like warriors of honor. I think about that. I think about uh, there was a moment in my life, it's actually happened a few times, where I actually remember the very first time I was in an airport um, and uh, soldiers uh, are coming back from a tour of duty and, and I'm sitting there in the airport and all of a sudden I hear like there's like erupting and applause and cheering and I'm like, what famous person is here? I'm like looking around and it's these soldiers have come off the plane, they've come back from a tour of duty and the entire terminal is standing ovation and there's this 
moment where like my hair is like kind of standing up on edge and there's this emotion that I'm experiencing. I'm like, I don't know why. I don't know these people. I don't know where they've been. I don't know what they've done, but honor, like it's just, it's just right to honor that. I think of a soldier. My, my parents, we had a good family friend in my family. His name was Rayburn Martin and he's gone to be with the Lord. Rayburn, Rayburn fought he, on the beaches of Normandy. He was a medic. And every year, my parents uh, would take him on what's called the honor flight. They would take him to, D- to Washington, D.C. with all these World War II veterans, all expenses paid. You have like this personal assistant. My, one of my parents would like fill that role every year where they just take care of everything. They roll out the red carpet. And it's just this trip of honor for these men, this, the way that he served and rested. He saved so many lives. Like, he never would talk about it, never would talk about it. And one time, at, kind of at the end of his life, I got to sit in a room with he and my dad and listen to him tell the stories of Normandy Beach. And it, there's just not words to describe. I mean, he saved so many lives. Being wounded himself, just kept going, kept going. Like he's just, he's worthy of, like his actions earned him honor, right? It's, it's what I think of when I think of honor. And yet here in this text, in this passage, we have Paul talking about these two younger men, Timothy, who we know a decent amount about, and Epaphroditus, who we don't know really much about at all. And, and Paul says, man, if you want to know what's worthy of honor, look right here. Honor this. Honor this. This is worthy of honor. And as far as I know, uh, I don't, we don't know much about Epaphroditus other than this, but I don't think he was ever a samurai warrior. Don't think that happened. Um, Timothy did not land on Normandy Beach. Didn't, didn't happen. Did, didn't happen. Uh, at this point in time, like, Tim, Timothy's not, not a parent. These are young men, right? And so what is, what's going on here? Why are these men worthy of honor? That's the question I want us to wrestle with today. I want us to be able to identify what is worthy of honor? What is honor? Um, I want us to talk specifically about honor in the context of the kingdom of God, you take notes, that's what we're going to be talking about. Honor in the context of the kingdom of God. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and what we see in this, in this text is that the, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of honor. Before we get too far into it, I just want to define what is honor. Like what, what is it, right? We shouted out a bunch of words earlier, um, courage and obedience and um, uh, character, bravery, like all these things. But what is it? Okay, and the honest truth is, if you would have asked me like over a week ago, I probably couldn't have answered that. I would have been like, uh, yeah, courage, bravery, I, I, don't, I don't know, something like that, right? But after spending a lot of time thinking about it this week and, and you saying, man, what is honor? Here's how I would define it. Honor is value made visible. Honor is value made visible. Well, here's what I mean by that. Honor is something that we, that we bestow upon a person. It's not, it's not honor, like I can't honor this table or honor this rug. It's, it's something that we place on a person, okay? And we, when we value the person, it's the act of displaying that value, making our value, the worth of that person, visible. Now, it might be there's different things that we honor about people. In the last gathering, somebody said royalty, right? A king or a queen holds honor, not necessarily because of what they've done or because of their character, who they are, but because of the title they hold. They're worthy of honor simply because of the title. We bow before the king because he's the king. He could be a wretched human being who has achieved nothing of significance, but we bow before him because 
king, queen, right? Their title has earned them honor. Maybe it is the person's character. Maybe they have no title. Maybe they haven't achieved anything great. But who they are, mm, substance to who they are. They're a person of great character and honor. And so we, we honor them because of who they are. Right? Or maybe they have achieved something great. Right? Maybe they landed on the beaches of Normandy. Maybe they've defended our country. Maybe they've, they've served in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they've achieved some sort of great thing. And so based on their achievement, right, then maybe they don't hold the title. Maybe, they don't, maybe they're not a great person, but they've achieved a great thing. And so we honor their work. We honor their achievement. But any way, shape, or form, you cut it, right, whatever it may be, honor is when we see that thing in a person and we say that's valuable, and then we actually display its value. We stand and we applaud. We take them on a flight, all expenses paid. We, we do something that says, man, you are worthy of honor. Now, what we see in the New Testament again and again and again and again and again is that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of honor. It's a kingdom of honor. And we're commanded to be a people who give honor to one another and give honor to our king. We see this again and again and again and again. And when you have a culture of honor, okay, and there's, there's shame and honor cultures in our society, right, that can easily be abused. And it has been abused again and again and again throughout the church. And so before we get into it, I just want to address it. Right, the reality is that there are, there are churches and there are religions where, man, all of the honor is demanded by like one leader, usually a man, right, ladies? It just is. It always is, right? Or a group of men, right? And they demand all the honor. You must honor me, right? So we have the celebrity pastors who... I mean, when they walk into the room, all of the honor goes to them, right? They stand in this place where they're demanded, you cannot refer to me by my name, you refer to me by my title. You ain't going to call me my name, you're going to call me who my title is. You're going to stand when I walk into the room. I was at an event a couple years ago with my wife Desiree here in Salt Lake City in this huge room, and all these people are talking, and it's buzzing, and everybody's, and all of a sudden, Silence. And everybody stands to their feet. Like, what is happening? What, what is going on right now? It's so weird. What had happened is that somebody had walked into the room who demands all of the honor. It comes to me. It's all mine. And what happens every single time in these situations, in a religion where somebody, where men or man demands all of the honor, the women get abused. Children get abused. Other men even get abused. And some of us in this room have experienced that. We've lived that out. We carry those scars. We wear, we wear those wounds. And so as I begin to talk about a culture of honor and building a culture of honor and a kingdom of honor, some of you in the room are like, nope, I'm not doing that. It's, 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 it's a dumb idea. Like, we're, we're all worthy of honor. And we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't give honor to anybody. Everybody should give honor to me. And I don't know. Like, I'm not going down that road again. I want to challenge you this morning. I'm not going to ask you for any honor this morning. Don't honor me. But honor the Word of God. If the Word of God again and again and again calls us to be a people of honor and calls us into a kingdom of honor, and we're over here saying, no, that's broken and that's disgusting and I don't want anything to do with it, there's a disconnect. And the enemy delights in that. The enemy delights in your wounds and your scars. He delights that you have been wounded by twisted, wicked honor, the abuse of honor. He delights in it because you'll never pursue it. 
You'll never seek it out. You'll never see the beauty of the design of the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of honor. And so let's lean in and let's look at the text and let's see how God has invited us into a beautiful system of honor, a kingdom of honor. Famously, most, maybe most famously, one of the most famous texts in the New Testament on honor, it comes from Revelation 12.10, right? This is kind of the individual honor. It says this, it says, let us uh, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, right? Outdo one another in showing honor. I love this. So simple, such a simple phrase and yet so profound. What this demonstrates right off the bat is that when you walk into a room and there's a man that demands all of the honor, right? Says, I'm the most important religious figure in the room, so honor me, stand, be quiet, don't, right? Listen, they've already failed. They've already failed. Everybody in the room is being more obedient to Scripture than they are because they've failed to outdo everybody in the room in honor. They're being outdone by everybody in the room in showing honor. The kingdom of God is a culture where we're seeking to outdo one another in showing honor. It's an honor off. Who can show the most honor? Who can get up here? Let's have an honor off. I'll I'll try to speak more words of affirmation over you than you can speak over me, and let's see who can win. Let's get in the octagon of brotherly love, and just let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. Like, let's see who can, who has the better words of affirmation. I'm going to, it's amazing. This is what the culture should be like. Individuals who are seeking to outdo one another and showing honor. The kingdom of God creates and forms families of honor. Somebody said it earlier, children, right? We know the commandment. Paul talks about it this way in Ephesians 6. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And here's the command from the law. Honor your father and mother. Paul says this is the first command with a promise. He says this, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Right? The first commandment in the Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it is this one. Honor your father and mother so that it'll go well with you that you'll live long in the land, right? There's a promise attached to this commandment, okay? For those who honor their father and mother, it will go well with you, and you'll live long in the land. And all the parents in the room said, amen. But don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, you're a child too. You got a mom and a dad, and that command's for you. It's not just for kids. It's for adults who are also children, which is all of us. Some of you, maybe your parents have already moved on. They've passed away. And maybe that time has run out for you. But for the rest of you, this call is on your life. How are you honoring your father? How are you honoring your mother? And again, I said this earlier, right? It's not about who they are, their character, or maybe what they've accomplished or what they've done. But based on their title alone, we honor them. Your, your father or your mother might be a wretched human being. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying maybe they are. The word of God says we honor them. So the world might look in and see that we are an obedient people. And just as we honor our father and our mother, Jesus honored his father. We can point the world to that idea and how we honor our parents. It's a commandment. It's a part of the kingdom of God. Husbands are to honor their wives. 1 Peter 3, 7 so this way, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. 
since they, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And again, I, I know some are already the ladies in the room are like, see, there it is. The man's getting all the honor, right? They're calling us the weaker vessel. It's out of there. I knew it was coming. No, Paul's not insulting you. He's not. It's quite the opposite, actually. This is one of the most beautiful verses when it comes to you women in all of Scripture. Paul is saying, fellas, honor your wife. Put this in the culture of first century Israel and think about it for two seconds. The woman is the weaker vessel. In first century Israel, men, men were legally allowed to, to beat their wives. She didn't have any power. She didn't have any power physically, but also legally. She's not even allowed to speak in a court of law. She's the weaker vessel. Paul's not insulting. He's just speaking the truth. This is what it is. This is who you are. In Paul's day and age, that's the truth. He says, no, fellas, no. Not in this kingdom. In this kingdom, the women will be honored by the men, not dishonored. And the men in Paul's day would have read that person and said, no, I think you got it backwards. It's, you know, the, the women are supposed to honor us. Paul says, no, no, no. Not in this kingdom. The men honor the women. And if you don't, God's not going to honor you. It's not going to honor you. That's what Paul says. He says, man, if you, wanna, if you want God to hear your prayers and honor your prayers, honor your wife. Honor your wife. That is our job as men in the kingdom of God, to honor our wives. And my wife, Desiree, she's going to hate this. She's worthy of so much honor. So much honor. Like every day, all day, she's pouring out her life for our family. She's spent her whole weekend with teenage girls. Honor. Honor. Just kidding. Don't go over. It's honor. Like you, you pour out your life for teenage girls. It's the most thankless job on the planet. And then she's my husband, the most thankless, the second most thankless job on the planet. Quit her job to stay home to be with our boy who needed her, desperately needed her. She's like, oh, man, my life's not my own. I don't exist for me. I exist for my family, for my boys, for my husband, for my church, for the people of God. She's worthy of honor. And people don't even, don't even know. No idea. So many ways that she's worthy of honor. Fellas, honor your wives. Leaders, we honor our leaders within the kingdom of God, right? There's another verse that's fun for me, 1 Timothy 5. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. I didn't make that up. I didn't write that. That's in the Bible. Um, it just is. It just is. It's, there it is. No, it's true, though. Right? When, when people over us lead us well, when they point us to Jesus, when they spur us on, when they encourage us to be more like him, to give our lives more fully to him, when, when they build us up in Christ, they're worthy of honor, especially when they labor in preaching and teaching, when they take the word of God and they say, man, I want you to see it. I want you to know it. I want you to understand it. I want you to live it out. It's an honorable thing to do. And it's Pastor Appreciation Month, by the way, and I haven't got a single card. <laughs> Not one. Just kidding. It is Pastor Appreciation Month, but I don't give a rip about it. We were joking. We were joking. Our staff team was joking about this the other day. We said, man, if there was a Lifeway store in Bountiful, I would get so many. I would get all the, like, the junk from Lifeway because there's like all the posters and signs. Pastors appreciate it. Buy this little trinket that your pastor doesn't want and give it to him. It's like, no, I don't want any of that garbage. It's ridiculous. But we should be a people who honor our leaders. And again, some of us who have been wounded by this say, see, there it is. All the honors going to the, the leadership and the hierarchy, and I don't want anything to do that. No. 
Because you know what elders who rule well do with their honor? They don't, they don't stand there while you stand in silence for them. No, 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 no. Now let me show you what true elders do with their honor. Revelation 4 reads this way. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and are created. Elders who rule well as they receive honor from you turn and say, nope, it's all to the king. It's all him. This is Christ's word. I didn't write it. It is. The gift of preaching is his gift to give and his gift to take away. It's all him. It's not me. I'm not worthy of it. I didn't do anything special to get it. It's not mine. The honor goes to Christ. It's his. Those who lead well in the kingdom of God don't cling to the honor. They pass it to Christ because it, is, it all belongs to him. I'll give you one more. There's, there's so many more, but I'll give you one more. Uh, John 5, this is an interesting text. Jesus says this. He says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Here's what's going on. Jesus is saying, man, the Father has said, I want my Son to be honored. And so I don't judge anybody. I've given that over to the Son so that you all may honor him. And then Jesus is saying, no, 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 yeah, 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 that's true. But if you don't honor me, you don't honor my Father. Jesus said, because the honor should be belong to him. It's this outdoing one another in honor, even in the Trinity, even, even in the Godhead, there's this outdoing of showing and demonstrating. And, and God's like, I'm not going to judge anybody. That's, that's your job because I want everybody to honor you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I want everybody to honor you. And it's back and forth, back and forth. Man, I want you to receive the honor. It's, it's, it, this is the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom of honor. It's the kingdom that we've been called into, the kingdom we've been saved into, the kingdom we've been rescued into. And yet as we try to live out this kingdom we are living in, our context is a kingdom of shame. We're called to live into the kingdom of honor, but we're living here in a kingdom of shame. Everywhere around us, we see this. Do parents actually, or do kids actually honor their parents? All the parents in the room? No, really. Uh, do, do they honor their teachers in the schools? When we think of honor, we think of the men and women of law enforcement or first responders who are worthy of honor. Do we actually honor them? Turn on the news. Do they hold positions of honor in the view of our culture? Our culture is a culture of shame. And there's no way that we can fix this. There's no way that we can establish this. If you think that the next president is going to somehow fix this, you're, you're wrong. Right? The president is absolutely like the center of a sh culture of shame, right? The like president used to, it didn't matter if you actually voted for the person or you didn't vote for the person, you, you honored them because of their title. It didn't matter if they, what their character was like, if they were worthy of it, you honored them because of their title. But now they're just absolutely abused day and night on every channel, every comedian, every news organization, just ripping them apart. 
the next guy's not going to do any better, or the next woman not going to do any better. Not going to restore this. It can't be restored. Here's why. Because no one is blameless. And in our culture right now, we're constantly looking for blame, constantly looking for imperfection. One misstep, one, one breath, one word, one tweet, one post, and boom, you are removed. The heroes of our culture are one misstep away, one skeleton in the closet away of being completely canceled, being removed from the culture, shame, being shouted down, screamed down, booed away. Shame on them. There's a culture of shame. And we're called, this room right here, the saints in Christ are called to be a people of honor, a people who demonstrate something different than the rest of the world. And there's no way, there's no way that the world will ever fix this. There's no way that it'll ever be restored. Unless, unless there was one who was truly guiltless, truly spotless, without blemish, completely pure in every facet, in every way, free from any imperfection, free from the slightest stain, the slightest crumb of brokenness, one who is absolutely in every way perfect. And that one said, I'll take all your shame. And this is what the king of the kingdom of honor has done for you. Jesus on the cross takes all of our shame and lays it on himself for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He bore it, your shame. All of our sin and the guilt and the shame that comes with that sin was laid on the spotless one. The shameless one carried all of our shame to the cross and has been covered by his blood. And he has clothed us in his very glory in his very honor. And so if, if you are here in this room this morning and you are in Christ, you hold the honor of Christ. Your shame is gone, all of it, every ounce of it. And I know this is hard for some of us. Some of us in the room, maybe a lot of us in this room, have, have a, a memory of shame from years ago, maybe decades ago. This tape that you replay in your mind again and again and again. There's, there's events or things that trigger it, and you begin to think about this, and it replays in your mind. And this, this, this weight on your shoulders, this whisper in your ear, reminding you of how unbelievably shameful that was. How dishonoring to the king of honor who's paid for that. It's paid for. You never have to pick that back up again. You never have to crawl back into the grave to sift through and pull out that memory. You don't have to. It's gone. It's done. It has been crucified with Christ. It is over. You no longer bear it. The king of honor has clothed you in honor, and he has removed every ounce of your shame. And so we can live free and are now able. We no longer, I don't need more honor, more honor, more honor, more honor. I have all the honor. I have infinite honor in Christ. And so I'm free to give it away. I don't need you to honor me. I'm free to honor you. And you are free to honor me. And this is only possible in the kingdom of honor with the king of honor, Jesus, our Savior. 
I want to ask a few questions. First is this. Do we know, are we able to see, are we able to identify that which is worthy of honor? Like, do we actually know what's worthy of honor? Can, you, can we, like, rattle it off? I think that this is something that confuses us, right? In our culture today, like, we see people getting honor that, because of how much money they have. We see people getting honor because of how many likes that they get on their posts. We see people getting honor um, because of how much press they get, right? The Kardashians are people that we like, honor in our culture today and, like, celebrate whenever they do something. Or we give them honor because they, they stand up and say something that is completely ridiculous. And we're like, yes! Like, uh, we, we don't know what to Honor. And our kids are looking at us. What is worthy of honor? Do we know the answer? Are we demonstrating the answer? Are we living out the answer? What is actually worthy of honor? Paul gives us a few things in this text. Uh, first in verse 21, uh, he's talking about Timothy. And he says this about Timothy. He says, putting the interest of Jesus above his own. Right? Timothy is worthy of honor because he puts the interest of a Jesus above his own. He says, man, it's not my life. It's not my, my desires and my hopes or my dreams that are ultimately valuable. It's the interest of Jesus. That's what's most valuable in my life. And anytime somebody elevates the interest of Jesus above their own interest, that's an act that's worthy of honor. Anytime somebody says, man, I'm going to put my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my, my, my interest aside. I'm going to elevate the interest of Jesus. That's an act worthy of honor. We see this in verse 20, again talking about Timothy. Paul says, he has a genuine love, care, concern for the people of Jesus. Timothy loves a genuine love, a genuine care. It's not false care. It's not fake care. He's a genuine concern for the people of Jesus. He loves the saints. When we see people loving this community right here, flourishing grace, when we see people loving this out of genuine love, Again, the, our huddle leaders who just spent the week, the weekend with our students in the snow, freezing and just getting abused because they're with junior hires and high schools, right? All weekend long, honor. They put the interest of them above themselves, the people of Christ. Those who've come here early this morning to serve you and are here all day long, our friends in the, in the tech booth, booth back there who receive no honor, no honor. They just get yelled at when things don't work. It's not their fault that things crash around here and things break all the time, right? But that's when they hear about it. They get here early and they stay here late. Our musicians who come here every Wednesday and they rehearse and they practice and they come here early on Sunday morning to get everything set for you guys. All the uh, leaders in our children's ministry who hate me right now because I'm going over. Worthy of honor. <laughs> Worthy of honor. Honor them today. They're worthy of honor. Those who greet us at the door, those who are making coffee for us, come early. Those who drive the shuttle, our shuttle drivers, especially in a month from now when it's freezing outside and the dang thing won't start, honor that person. We couldn't fill this room without them. Couldn't, couldn't do it. There's people in this room who could not be here or be walking for blocks if it wasn't for them. They're worthy of honor. The people who put this community above themselves. Lastly, uh, verse 30, right? He's talking about Epaphroditus. He says, ready to risk even his life for the call of Christ. Those who say, man, my life is not my own. I'm going to give my life away. I'm going to lay my life down. Right? So many young people are not being encouraged to lay down their life, to lay down their future for the call of Christ because we've failed to honor it. Just failed to honor it. 
When our young men and women say, I, I want to pursue a life of ministry, I want to go and I want to be a missionary, I, I want to serve in India, or I want to serve in Africa, I want to go to China, I want to go to Russia, I, I want to give my life to that, it's worthy of honor. I think we've failed to honor it. So kids don't want to do it anymore. We want to honor those who would lay down their life. You guys notice anything that the, all three of these things have in common? Christ is the center of them. If Christ is worthy of all glory and honor, then every Christ-like, Christ-driven, Christ-honoring act is worthy of honor. And Christ is worthy of all honor. Look at Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked... John says, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Every creature on earth and under the earth and in the sea and, and has ever lived and ever will be are all praising and giving honor to the one who sits on the throne. And not just them but everything in them, every fiber, every hair, every molecule, every cell, every atom within them is crying out, worthy is the lamb of all wealth and glory and blessing and honor. It's worthy of it all. And every time we see somebody giving honor to him in any way, shape, or form, there should be a visible display of the value of that person and of that act. Do we know how to do this? Do we know how to show honor? Do we know how to show it? Do we actually know how to make it visible, right? There's some basic, simple things that we can do, right? Giving a compliment is a way that we give honor, right? Saying, hey, thank you, good job doing that. Like, you, you did a great job uh, doing that thing. Paying a compliment is an easy way to show honor, right? Or give it, being thankful is an easy way to show honor. Man, thank you for showing up. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for uh, coming early. Thank you for driving the shuttle. I mean, paying a compliment is, a, is an easy way to do that. Those, those are kind of basic, easy ones. Also, listening, Listening is a way that we show honor. Actually making the time to slow down and lean in is an honoring thing to do. A couple nights ago, I was at uh, Sarah and Brody Reed's house, and my little boy, Winston, he's eight years old. He got this, he's not in the room. Please don't tell him I said this. He got this dumb, like, photo book thing from his auction at school, and he came home. He was so proud of it. Don't tell him I said it was dumb. He just, he, unbelievable joy in this kid. Unbelievable. Like, he's like, this is the most amazing thing. It's from China. It's not from China. It's, it's Japan. But it doesn't matter. I, I, I'm just like, come on, buddy. Like, I hear about it all day long. All day long I hear about this thing. We go to this house, and he's bringing, he's showing everybody. And Sarah Reed stops, and she's like, tell me more about it. Why do you love it? Why did you pick it? Man, what are you going to put in there? I'm like, I'm just sitting there thinking, I don't want to hear anything more about this. I'm the worst dad in the world. What honor. Like, she's honoring my boy. 
She's honoring him by, by engaging with him and listening to him and showing him and demonstrating him honor. And it's fine. I know. I'm a terrible dad. She, they just like an amazing moment of honor. Amazing moment of honor. Don't tell him I said it was dumb. Um, <laughs> forgiving people, right? Forgiveness is a form of, of, of honor. When we say, listen, I, I know you offended me. I know you hurt me. I know what you did was wrong. I forgive you. It's an honoring thing to do. Holding a grudge is putting shame on somebody. Forgiving them is covering them in honor. We see a couple of things here in the text. Uh, Paul honors Timothy. He says this. He says, Timothy, I have no one like him. Or in the Greek, it's actually, I have no one else of like soul. Of like soul. Think about this for a minute. Think about it for a moment, okay? Timothy is this younger man who's passionate about ministry, loves Jesus, and the person he looks up to more than anyone in the world is Paul. Paul is a giant, a titan of faith, has seen Jesus with his eyes, has planted all these churches, has been through all these amazing adventures for the sake of Christ. Paul is the, is the man in Timothy's eyes. He's 10 feet tall, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, there's no one like you. There's nobody in the world who has a soul that is so like mine. Imagine how Timothy feels, the honor that Timothy feels. Timothy is walking high, man. He is, he is just another inch taller after Paul speaks words like that. Does the same thing for Epaphroditus. Paul says, he gives him these titles. He, said, he says he's a brother, a worker, a fellow soldier, a fellow messenger, a fellow minister, right? Now, if, you, if you've been following, we don't know much about Epaphroditus. We just know this. He was like really, really sick, almost dead. How much work do you think he accomplished during that time? Exactly. He was useless, all right? I mean, let's just be real. He's useless. Paul says, no, no, no. He's, he's a brother to me, a fellow soldier, fellow worker, messenger, minister. Just like he's on the same playing field with me. He builds him up. He pours in him. He says, this man is worthy of honor. Imagine, imagine Epaphroditus, a young man looking up to Paul, knowing, just, oh man, he's miserable. I, I wanted to come here and I wanted to serve you, but I'm laying in bed the whole time. The honor that's been bestowed upon him. Do we know how to show honor? If we're going to be people of a kingdom of honor and worship the king of honor, we, we've got to work at this. We've got to practice this. We've got to try it out. We've got to look people in the face and speak honor into their lives. We have to demonstrate and show our honor for those who have put Christ above themselves. We must be people of honor. So here's my encouragement to you today, my charge to you today is this. Who today, who here today, do you need to show some honor to? I want to challenge you, before you leave this morning, to honor one person. Maybe it's somebody who's volunteering this morning. Maybe it is the person who's teaching your children about Jesus and spurring them on towards Christ. Maybe it's somebody in this room who you have a deep respect for, a deep um, worth and value in, but you haven't really told them that. Maybe you actually, you, you need to realize that some of you in the room actually carry the weight like Paul carried. With one simple word, you, can, you could just make somebody's day. Are you using that? Are you wielding that well? Who in this room, who in this building, do you need to honor this morning? Who do you need to tell? I'm so thankful for you. 
Thank you for getting up early. Thank you for staying late. Thank you for modeling Christ over my life. Thank you for speaking truth into my life. Thank you for that time that you pulled me aside and told me, pointed out my sin, convicted me of that. Thank you for honoring me with that. Who do you need to speak some honor into? Demonstrate. Make your value of them visible. I want to challenge you to not leave this building until you've done that this morning. Let's be a people who actually live out the implications of the gospel. Jesus not only saves us, but actually redeems us. We are cleansed. We are completely washed, white as wool, pure as snow, and bestowed with glory and honor. Infinite glory is yours in Christ. And so you don't need it anymore. You don't need to get it from everybody else. You're free to just extend it, to give it away. Outdo one another in showing honor. Oh, that flourishing grace would be a church with a culture of honor. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, you alone are worthy of all glory, all worth, all wealth, all honor and blessing. And so we lay it before you this morning. We sing your praises. You alone are blameless. You alone are spotless. You are the king of the kingdom of honor. And we worship you in this place. And it's because of your completed work, your finished work, that we can stand with boldness and declare that my shame is gone. I bear it no more. And the implications of that are that I'm now free to lavish those around me with honor and praise. Every time I see them loving you and serving you and caring for you and caring for those whom you love. They're worthy of a visible display of value. Would you help us to see those moments? Would you help us to live into those moments, to not shrink back, but to visibly display the value of others in this place, in this culture? Would the world look in and would they see you high and lifted up full of glory and honor. I pray these things in your sweet name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, let's honor him with our voices and sing this to him loud.